Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is Tuesday, January 14th. Um, and today we're going to be reading from the big book. And we're at page 82, the third paragraph, The Alcoholic is Like a Tornado. Today's readers are Dana M. for the 12 Steps. Vanita L. is going to read the traditions. Nancy P. is the first reader, the, the text. Allison L. will be the reader number two for the Vision for You. Uh, the newcomer greeters are going to be Matt F. and the host of the second hour, Stacy K. Um, the reference numbers for yesterday, uh, January 13th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 13,960. That's 13960. And for the 10 a.m. yesterday is 1,000 or 13,962. 13962. OA's preamble. OA Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Dana M. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Craig. The 12 steps. This is Dana M. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thanks, Dana. Okay, now we're going to ask uh, uh, Vanita L. to read the 12 traditions. Vanita. Hi, this is Vanita L. from Georgia, compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop drink. Do I read this like AA or OA? OA, please. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. For each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to do to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OA should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, OA has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Okay, thank you very much. Um, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 82, the third paragraph, that begins, the alcoholic is like a tornado. I'm now going to ask Nancy P. to begin reading. Nancy? Hi. Good morning, Craig. This is Nancy P. calling from West Newton, Massachusetts, your friendly neighborhood tornado. 
the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Okay, let me set my timer. Um, so, yeah, I felt like I was a tornado, um, or I have come to see that I was just like that. I just thought, you know, certainly when I was eating, when I was incapable of seeing anything beyond myself, I thought everything would be fine if everybody would just do what I wanted. Then, you know, before I recovered, I would have periods of, you know, abstinence. And I use that word, um, those who know me know I dislike that word. Um, and I use it in this case because I feel as though that the, you know, I, I wasn't hurting myself with food, but I was still as crazy as I ever was. And, um, you know, the, to me, this the whole point of this paragraph is we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough because earlier in the doctor's opinion, it talks about a seething cauldron of debate whether or not abstinence is the answer. And, and my opinion is that it is not. Abstinence is what lets me take the game board out of the closet and set up the board. You know, I'm not even on square one once I, if I put the food down. You know, the solution for me... Um, wasn't that. And I had a lot to answer for myself. You know, I had treated my family and friends and coworkers and shopkeepers and, you know, insurance agents and bankers and whoever, people in traffic, shockingly. I had shocking, treated those people shockingly. And so I had a lot of work to do. And um, abstinence did not take care of that for me. You know, um, that was, today, Certainly not hurting myself with food is central to my recovery. Absolutely, I couldn't get anywhere. But that's like the least of the rewards of the work that I've done, the very least of the rewards. You know, there's, there's to me, the, the um, you know, that's, that's the key that I needed to start. But the rest of the journey, all of the entire journey is, is after that. And so for me, the journey itself is the destination. I, de- I never try to get off this path that I'm on. I'm always on the broad highway, always working to get better. And, you know, I'll confess that this, this ninth step stuff has been really making me jump out of my skin a little bit because I was uncomfortable about some things. And finally, I, you know, called a friend and I said, this is what I think I need to do. And so we made a plan. And um, so that's on my, on my checklist for things today or tomorrow. I have to finish that. Um, You know, Abstinence got me in the door, but it didn't get me recovered. Working these steps got me recovered. Doing the work got me recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, I appreciate it. All right. Um, uh, Next, we're going to ask, open the floor up for pitches from... uh, other compulsive overeaters, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, we ask you to step forward. If you have, we ask you to step back and allow those people that haven't had an opportunity to share to share. So, uh, who would like to share on the paragraph that was just read? Tina S. from Boston. Lisa J. R. Nancy K. T. 
Hold on. Kim G. Uh, okay. Uh, hold on, everybody. Thank you. I have uh, um, Tina S., Katie G., Barbara E., and Kim G. On M. On M. Lisa J.R. Nancy K.T. Lisa J.R. And, and who was it? K.T.? Nancy K.T.? Correct. All right. Let's go with that list for now. I have Tina S., Katie G., Barbara E., Kim G., On M., uh, Lisa J.R., and Nancy K.T. Uh, okay, Tina, uh, take us. Go. Tina S., star one to unmute. Sorry about that. Thanks so much, Craig. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great paragraph, and what a wonderful share. You know, uh, I am so grateful to be on the line and to live the life that I live today because of the opportunity of the transformation that comes about through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. I love what was just shared, you know, because I thought this too, that, um, that you know, probably sobriety was enough, you know. I put down the food and, you know, all the shit wasn't happening so often, but the bottom line was I was still crazy. You know, I was still acting in uh, insane ways, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result until, you know, and I love the doctor's opinion where we talks about, you know, the, the um, allergy of the body, but the obsession of the mind and, and the solution for the body is the abstinence, putting the food down for sure. But the solution of the mind is the 12 steps, the psychic change that comes about. For me, I have to, you know, just clarify this only through the 12 steps. I mean, I'm sure there are other ways for other people, but this is what had worked for me, you know. And, uh, you know, today I can still be that tornado. I love the people this morning uh, came on and, and qualified. Uh, you know, I'm the tornado today and, and welcome all the other tornadoes because we are here. But, you know, we don't have to live there today, you know, one day at a time, you know, through cleaning up my side of the street and, you know, and making demands and doing the next right thing just because it's the next right thing to do. I have a life today that is beyond my wildest dreams, bar none, and uh, grateful to be here and to continue to do the deal. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, KDG, your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Yeah, I mean, so I'm told that a tornado is a violent, destructive, sorry for the music, whirling wind, right? And that's who I am, and I get nervous when I hear, and I'll just stick for me, I, I used to think that I was just a tornado when I was eating, right? And now I wanted a ticker tape parade when I was thin. I, I believed if I was just thin, if I just put down the food, then I would be okay, right? But the thing is, the damage is done when I'm not eating. Because when I'm not eating and I don't have a spiritual solution, I don't have any people skills. I was the one that was being called into the guidance counselor's office in fifth grade, being told, you know, you're not, you need to be kind and loving towards other people. I remember my mom used to say to me when I was little, Katie, you know you can't talk to people that way. I used to have Jennifer down the street. She would steal candy bars for us when I was little because I would bully her into it. And these were 
Um, that's not me. These were, these were my people skills. In college, I used to say, I hate people. And the few people that could tolerate me would look at me like I had ten, 10 heads, and I would say, don't worry, you don't count, right? And um, because I put the food down, and then I have a brick inside my chest. And what do I do with that brick? If I don't have God, I take that brick, and I blame you, and I smash your face because life is too loud. It's too intolerable. And thank you, God. Um, that's not my page turning. Thank you, God, because of these 12 steps. That's not how I act today. Now, I'm not saying I don't have days when I don't have a lot of stuff going on internally because guess what? Life lifes itself all over me. Right? But a couple amazing miracles. God is softening me today. I don't have to be a tornado and worry about other people making me happy or giving me what I want. I can be naturally mindful of the welfare of others. When I'm selfish with hubs, I, I feel it in my DNA. I feel it in my stomach. And I can say, you know what? That was really selfish of me. I regret my behavior. That's not, that's not who I should be. You know, when I, when, I, when I act inappropriately with someone, I can call them right back and say, hey, you know what? I was c completely off the beam. Thank you, God. And why is that important? Because if I don't act with patience, tolerance, kindly and, kindliness, and love, eating will be a step up. You know, and my big book teaches me, and I know this was mentioned yesterday, but it's so important. Do you know that my big book tells me I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does. That is one of the best promises in the world. I don't have to be a tornado anymore. I'm so grateful for these 12 steps that continue to mold and shape me into the woman God wants me to be. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you, Katie. Next up, we have Barbara E. And Barbara will be followed by Kim G. Barbara? Good morning, everyone, and welcome back, Craig. Well, my prayers, sympathies go out to the people across our country who are literally being affected by the climate change. And when I see on television the homes uprooted, the people devastated, I can't help but relate to what went on in my home. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root. That we think is Barbara, you're in and out. I, I heard you speak. I'll unplug and plug again. Is that that? Barbara, we're not hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yes. My machine was muting and unmuting. Um. I am that tornado barreling through the country, barreling through my family's lives, just tearing every single thing apart, driven by a hundred forms of fear and self-delusion and self-seeking. I was self-centered, full of self-pity, self-seeking, selfishness, and fearful, constantly fearful of what you would think of me. Was I good enough? Was I smart enough? I wanted to hang on to everything I had, but I also wanted to be you. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. My family never knew 
when they walked through the door, what they were going to find, a wreckage of a woman driven by a hundred forms of fear, isolating, staying in her room, not wanting to come out, not wanting to go to any family events, or a person outgoing. And I, t- I really believe I was meaner when I was abstinent because I was abstinent with no kind of tr- physical, uh, mental uh, transformation. All I wanted was to lose weight. And I had done that so many times before, but unsuccessfully because I'd always gained the weight back. I needed to keep working, working, working and believing in spite of my scoffing that there was something out there not rooted in a fast food restaurant, not rooted in my refrigerator, not rooted in my own ego-driven self. And I waited for the miracle and I stayed after the miracle. So if you are suffering anywhere in our country for whatever reason, please, if you need a food program for anything, OA has the answer. It works. We just have to wait for the miracle and stay after the miracle. You don't have to wait till you're in your 50s. Begin as soon as you can. I can't. reminder. Thank you. All right. Next up, we have Kim G, and she's going to be followed by On M. Kim? Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I've been recovered since January 2011. And I love that line, ain't it grand, the wind stopped blowing. You know, I always think of this from when I was a kid. I I come from this large Irish Catholic family, and we would all get together for Thanksgiving, and I'm towards the younger part of my cousins, and they would make fun of me and tease me, and I would cry and be so upset. And then we'd all get together for Christmas, and they'd be wonderful and sweet, and I would be so angry because how could you treat me so bad in Thanksgiving and just pretend like nothing happened? And yet that's what I'm hearing this, this reading saying. And, and that's, for me personally, this word living amends, which is not nowhere in the big book. And the talk, I hear people talk about living amends versus direct amends. And I'm always someone looking for a loophole. So what living amends meant to me is what my cousins did. You know what? I don't want to make an amends. I don't want to say where I'm wrong. I don't want to make it right. But you know what? If I'm just a good girl now, then that's good enough. Ain't the, ain't you guys should just be happy I'm thin. You should be happy I'm not treating you like an asshole anymore. But I'm just going to be a good girl now. And that's not good enough. It wasn't good enough for me when I was a kid, and it's not good enough for this amends process. I'm not going to get freedom by saying that I'm just going to be a good girl. I need to go back to those people that I hurt. I need to admit where I was wrong. I need to make it right. And then I need to demonstrate, which is the wording of the big book. We need to give demonstrations that we have changed. So ironically, I just told you how I use living amends as a loophole. But I also believe that every amends is a living amends. Because if I go back, which I would do all the time, Mom, I'm sorry that I disrespected you in front of Dad. But then two days later, I disrespect her in front of dad. So what is the point of making the amends if I am not going to demonstrate that I have changed? That living amends is for every single, it's not living amends versus direct amends, but I need to make a direct amends and a living amends. And this is a beautiful demonstration that this guy is just going to be delusional 
and think that because the tornado is gone, all the damage is irrelevant. And I have to realize that too, is that the damage that I have done, I need to make an amends for that. I need to make it right. And I need to continue to demonstrate that I am no longer that person in that tornado. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you very much. Next, we have uh, On M. And On will be followed by uh, Lisa J.R. Uh, on? On M, star one to unmute. Sorry, Craig, I was talking away in my own little land. Um, <laughs> hi, Craig, it's Anne M here from Ireland. Thanks for your service and great to hear you on the line. Um, yeah, great to get this paragraph. I felt like a tornado trying to get on the line. I was just so determined to uh, to share and uh, love this paragraph. Um, and I was a silent tornado, you know, around people who... Uh, who I felt were superior to me. I was a silent tornado, people pleasing people, um, and manipulating and controlling in my head. That's how sick I was. Um, yeah, and just feeling like I wasn't worthy to be angry out loud, so I did it all internally. So I was really a passive aggressive person um, until I found somebody who was inferior, a little bit less than me, and then I became, you know, the really aggressive person. Um, and just very manipulative as well and, you know, played the victim a lot and got you to feel sorry for me. Um, thank God I have all the awareness today and a program to work around that. Um, and I love the part, hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, you know, because I was so selfish and inconsiderate. Um, you know, my habits were just all self-centered Um and, you know, it's all about being closed off and shut down and not being present in relationships. Um, I didn't have any feelings and I didn't I didn't really um, consider anybody, only myself, really. Um, you know, and just where it says here, we feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. You know, and I often, I always thought that that's what recovery was. I thought it was neutrality around the food and whether you had to white knuckle it or whether the mental defense was from God. But I know today that, you know, my recovery is uh, is basically, you know, it's all from, from unblocking and becoming connected to my higher power um, and living this program, you know. And recovery for me is really being connected and growing and, and following these spiritual principles. And I'm so grateful I have the awareness, I have the tools, I am changing, um, I'm willing to change, I'm willing to use these directions. Um, yeah, and it's 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 walking in the sunlight of the spirit, and I get all the promises. Not just neutrality around the food; that's just the ticket in the door. Um, and when I'm white knuckling it, it's surely it's surely not recovery. So I'm so grateful and for my connection with my higher power. So at that, I leave it. And thanks for your service. I pass. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Anne. Okay, next we have Lisa Jr followed by Nancy KT, and then we'll take a new list. Lisa? Good morning, Craig, and everybody on the line. Lisa JR here from Baltimore. Grateful to be here today. Um, so I laugh because my husband often calls me an F5 tornado, or he used to at least, prior to uh, recovery, prior to getting my emotional sobriety um, through working these steps. Um, I destroyed everything and talk about keeping the house in turmoil, confusion and unrest. You know, it wasn't 
wasn't my eating. It was, it was the habits that drove my eating, the selfishness, the, the uh, inconsiderable behavior uh, or inconsiderate behavior. I'm sorry. So I, we feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. Well, in sobriety, when I first came into the rooms, I put the plug in the jug, but I didn't really work the steps. So I was even um, still a tornado. I was still, as a fellow on the line always says, you know, yeah, we feel uh, we feel better. We feel all of our negative emotions better, and that's white knuckle abstinence. So I had to get to work. But for the longest time, I was like this farmer. I came out and said, gee, you know, ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? I was in denial, and I had a complete failure to take responsibility for my behavior and the actions and the, the results of my behavior and the terrible swath of collateral damage that the tornado left, um, you know, when I came in and I started to work the steps in the big book and I went through with a sponsor um, in um, in the big book, I all of a sudden thought I was going to be a higher version, uh, the version of Lisa that, you know, God created right away. And I miraculously thought that things were going to be better and people were going to respond differently to me. But most of the people in my close personal life that I was the most destructive to it was a long process. It was a frustrating process for both of us. So, you know, it takes a long time for those uprooted trees, the uprooted plants to grow back and for there to be lushness and living things around. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. So um, just like the tornado, I've, I've worked the steps and I've come to see growth and I've come to see beauty and I've come to see a restoration of things that were destroyed, including my marriage. And I'm very grateful today for that. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Next, we have Nancy KT, and then we're going to take some new names. Nancy? Vicky Good v. morning, Craig. Thank you. I'm sorry. sorry. Good morning, Craig. Nancy KT here. Um, another tornado on the bus with the rest of y'all. So grateful to be traveling this. Um, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. I am so sorry about that. Anyway, um, I am grateful to be traveling this journey of recovery with the rest of you guys and on the phone with this meeting. And I am a tornado, even in recovery i can be a tornado that's why i need the steps that's why i need 10 11 and 12. um you know it says hearts are broken sweet relationships are dead affections have been uprooted well that's because i didn't take i didn't have friends i had hostages you know i treated people like my little servants as long as they were doing what i thought they should be doing or what i wanted them to do in order for me to feel okay inside then they were great friends but as soon as they started having minds of their own or wanting to do things their way, then that was it. I wrote it off, you know. I mean, it just that's just my pattern. And um, well, who would want to be in relationship with somebody like that? I certainly wouldn't. And when it says, um, you know, the sentence that we've all been really relating to today in this paragraph is we feel that a man is unthinking when he thinks that sobriety is enough. 
You know, if abstinence was enough, I could read the doctor's opinion and be done. Oh, entire abstinence, that's what I need. But the whole rest of it that talks about how to get that um, spiritual experience, if I just did the doctor's opinion and stopped at abstinence, I still don't have the needed power. My problem is lack of power. So the way I find that power is through doing the rest of the work. And it's, I mean, I could point to numerous places where it tells us that, you know, without that spiritual experience, we die in the food. And um, I don't want to do that for today. I'm so grateful. I used to think, you know, I don't really, um, I don't, I haven't even really hurt other people. You know, it's just, I hurt my eating, I hurt myself. And thank you for the sponsors who have helped me to see how when I'm in the food, I'm hurting other people. Just in the way I try to micromanage my family, the way I try to um, get my way, the way, you know, and uh, Kim alluded to the living amends. And that's where it really comes down to, am I going to change? It's not enough to just say I'm sorry, but to keep acting the way I had been. And the only way I can change is to have God remove those character defects, which caused me to act in that way. So I am so relating to this part of the book um, today and so grateful to be on the road of recovery with all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. All right, so now uh, we're getting ready to take another list of names. So uh, if you... Benita uh, L. Kelly. Not, Christina J. Not sure. Anita Kelly J. Melissa C. Hold on. Um, Kelly I, 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 I got Vanita L and Kelly S. Christina J. Melissa. Somebody J. Christina J. Melissa. Christina J. All right. I, I, I didn't. I didn't understand that. Um, Judith uh, Vanita, R. Okay, Judith. I got you. Sandy S. Sandy S. Donna T. Donna. Okay. Let's stop right there. I have Vanita L., Kelly S., Christina J., Melissa S., um, Judith R., uh, Sandy S., and Donna C. So uh, let's go. Vanita, take us away. Hi, Vanita L. from Georgia, compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. So I've, I don't remember ever seeing this paragraph before. So it's obviously time for it. And it really hit home when I was reading it even before the meeting. And um, it's really very humbling for me. And the reason I'm sharing is because it's triggered a lot of shame and I, I don't want to talk. And so I know that usually means it's better to talk and to participate because it's it's really I'm like really looking at that and going, um, hmm, you know, I I know I had a younger sister who was that way, who wound up dying of addiction, and um, anyway, like I said, it, it's it's painful and it's really confronting, but I see that's a gift of being abstinent, right? Is for me to be willing to be purified more deeply and to look at myself more deeply and to really just be more aware of how um, how I relate to people. I also get really triggered when um, there's people are really people-pleasing and mousy and 
I know whenever anything bothers me that there's a part of me. So I think I can also do that end of the spectrum. So I think I can kind of do it all, but um, I'm really grateful for this this morning, even though it's hard to look at. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Vanita. All right. Next up, we have the uh, Oklahoma tornado, Kelly S. Good morning, Kelly. Not sure how to take that because we're friends here in Tulsa. Um, so yeah, I live in Tornado Alley for real, <laughs> and I can tell you guys you have to watch for conditions um, to know if a tornado is going to happen. And the same thing in my life. And you know, I've shared this so many times that you know I used to think when I first came in three decades ago that it was all about just being abstinent, and I didn't understand the whole point of the problem like spiritual malady. Okay, so. Look, so four and a half years ago, I finally understood that, put down the food 100% and started working these steps and had this spiritual awakening and finally understood I had this spiritual malady and had to have a spiritual solution. So I'm recovered. Yay. I get to say I'm recovered like all the people on Vision for you. Well, guess what? I found out this program says I have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. I never arrive. So you know, this is stuff I have to look out for. I have to look out for conditions for this tornado that I am. And that, that was happening for me again. And, you know, I'm, okay, so I'm not, I'm not just absent anymore. Don't you guys know I'm working this program? You know, what does that mean? Well, I have a sponsor. I'm sponsoring several people. I take several calls. I'm, you know, I'm doing my writing. I'm doing my daily meditation. I'm getting in the zen every morning, and I'm recovered. And little do I know, I'm the tornado and my spouse says to me about a month ago, I just want to talk to you. I mean, I just feel so disconnected. I feel like, I feel like you're angry all the time. And I'm like, what? And then at work um, the other day, one of the nurses said to me as I'm whirling about, she says, Kelly, take a deep breath, go to your office, and we'll take care of this. And I'm like, what? You know, and then I realized, you know, I have a daily reprieve. Am I living this? Am I being a demonstration of that? So, yeah, I'm abstinent. Yeah, I'm doing all this stuff. But that's not what it's about. It's about this 12 steps. And I was thinking about, I had to share with you guys that this thing and there's a solution because this is what it's all about. You know, this guy in a nutshell, real quick, he thinks he's hopeless. The doctor says, yeah, there's pretty much you're hopeless. It's all the kids I've ever seen. I'm going to wrap up with this. He says, there's an exception, though. You have to have this vital spiritual experience. You know, it's the nature of human huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives these men are suddenly cast to one side and completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. It's not just about being abstinent or talking on the phone or doing my reading and writing. Am I being a different person? Am I living a spiritual life, right? I have to do that. Today I'm willing to be, I was, I'm willing today to have that awareness. It's painful. It's, it's humbling, but today I can pick up the spiritual toolkits, and when I see these things, I realize I'm getting more unblocked. My dimmer switch is coming brighter, and I have a choice today. I can continue acting that way and eventually pick up, or I can pick up the spiritual toolkits. And so grateful today for the awareness and my willingness to do the work. And without a pass, thanks, Craig. I'm, Thank I'm surprised you, you didn't take uh, time on me. I'm sure you wanted to. There it is Bye. right there. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thanks, thanks, Kelly. Bye. All right, next we have Christina J, and she'll be followed by Melissa S. Christina? Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everyone on the line. Um, Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. 
So I'm in the state of Washington, recovered one day at a time, one meal at a time, one moment at a time. My mother was a tornado. She still is. She's still an addict, and we don't have a relationship, um, not because of what I want or don't want, but because she is a tornado. And I, Anyway, it's a long story. I don't have to go into that. But I grew up with a tornado, absolutely. Things flying across the room, anger, uh, just a whole nine yards of a very active addict. And what did I do? I went inside of myself and hid. I left the house. I refused to get angry. Angry Anger became a real fear of mine, uh, whether it was in me or, or other people. <clears throat> so for me, I went on, and I've spoken this word, this phrase before, autopilot numb, automatically going there even though I didn't even know it. So me, I was the farmer that said, ain't life grand, the wind stopped blowing. You know, it, when the wind calmed down, I was happy. Um, and I just couldn't deal with any of the, the anger that someone was coming up, throwing at me or whatever. And <clears throat> I married a man who was angry, and we lived in the white picket fence of autopilot numb. You know, he would blow up and I would go hide. So... Um, and, of course, I had the food. And sobriety was never enough. My diets were never enough. Uh, uh, because of the way I handled life, I was scared to talk. I was scared to say my feelings. Unless I was with people that I could complain to and become a victim with. Then it all came out. You know, my husband's this, my husband's that, la, 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 my mother. And I never took my part. And so this this section here uh, with uh, four through nine where we're taking our parts, we're looking at what our parts are, you know. I acted out privately and secretly. That's how my anger came out. And um, below, it's funny because the anger was acting out, but what was on top? What was on top was the good person, the moral person, going to treat you as nice as I could to get what I wanted because I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to get in your face. What would happen if I got in your face? You might lash out at me, and then I'd have to run and hide again. So this is really interesting for me to think about because even today I have to work hard on the autopilot numb. I have to make sure that I'm not saying, hey, the wind stopped blowing. Now we can just go on like we are. We don't have to do anything else. Um, and this program has really brought me to realizing how dangerous that slippery slope of autopilot numb with my relationship it, with myself is. So um, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. All right, thank you. Next we have Melissa S., followed by uh, Judith R. Melissa? Hi, good morning. I, it's Melissa C., unless there was another Melissa oh. that spoke up, and I think... <laughs> Okay. That'll do. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Thanks. It's Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, I'm laughing because um, the one that just went right before me, um, yeah, I was going to say I grew up with a tornado, and um, and I never liked to think of myself as a tornado. It was it was scary. It was um, things. Oh, that's not me banging, but um, there were things like. I think we lost you. Star one to unmute, Melissa. Melissa?
I, it's Melissa C. I don't know if I, I got disconnected. Yep, you got disconnected. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah, so I just dialed back in. Um, You know, so I I like to think, or I don't like to think, but I think I'm more of a sinkhole. You know, I'm much more subtle and quiet in the destruction that I did. I, and I, and I made a mess still around me, like I pulled everything down, and um, for me, I became a tornado when I put the food down. I think the most um, scariest, you know, damage I created was in early recovery. And, and I wasn't just abstinent. I was, you know, in a space where I was saying I was recovered. Um, but I was pissed off that the people around me, you know, I filled in my sinkhole. And why weren't they, like, blooming and growing and doing what I wanted around me? And... Um, and what I did um, was I treated my family like they were members of a 12-step recovery group so that any time they brought any kind of issue or problem to me, you know, I gave them this, like, 10-step process. And um, that is, like, that's, that's borderline abusive to do to your kids when they come to you with a problem. They don't need to find their part. They need what I found is that my kids needed me to take their part. That really was my role. And how can I make amends for um, not being present, not being, you know, a a quality mom, um, and then not hearing them when they had issues that didn't please me. You know, and the other thing was um, this thinking that being abstinent, being recovered, being, you know, sober, food sober was enough. Um, It's not. You know, the people around me, my family, my colleagues, um, yeah, great, Melissa. You know, you're not eating compulsively anymore. You'll look a lot better. Um, That lasts about five minutes. And then it's how are you showing up better? How are you doing better? And I have a lifetime to practice um, living up to that, to, you know, allowing other people to be them and and, and not, you know, minimizing the damage I harmed. and um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you very much. Next, we have Judith R., and she'll be followed by Sandy S. Judith? Thank you, Craig. This is Judith R., gratefully recovered in Global Vermont. Um, I was uh, an unknowing tornado, and um, I was about 20 years absent when I came into vision, and I was completely neutral around the food. I was not neutral around my life. I was not neutral around the jealousy I had of my brothers and sisters and the disappointment I had in my professional life. And those things were eating me alive. And I just thought that was normal and uh, didn't, you know, I was using my spirituality as best as I knew, but I I couldn't get close to those issues. And the thing that makes me laugh nowadays is that I actually believed that I did not owe any amends to my brothers and sisters because they had never seen me overeat. So I had gotten extremely literal about this program, and I thought you had to make amends for eating. I didn't know you had to make amends for behavior, the way you were as a person, the way you acted. This came as news to me when I delve into the big book more fully. So I I look back and I I weep and I giggle that I 
had the program still upside down and inside out. And for the wisdom that I've gained from you guys and from the big book, um, I am forever grateful and with that I too shall pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Um, next we'll have Sandy S., followed by Donna C., and it looks like we might have time for a couple more after that, or one more. Sandy? Thanks, Greg. Hi. Sandy S. from Asheville, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I had a very different experience than everyone else I've heard share on the line. So I wanted to just speak up in case there was someone else there that had my experience. I was very aware that I was a tornado, that I was destructive to myself, to others, before I started overeating. I mean, the food for me was to quiet the tornado down. And once I became abstinent, that always was tied to me with working the steps. I don't know why. I've never seen abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. And I know that that's not most everyone else's experience that spoke. But for me, it is. And as soon as I became abstinent, I like it was a spiritual experience. I knew I had to enlarge my spiritual life from day one of abstinence. I know that's an unusual experience, and I just wanted to share that. And one other thing, the, the biggest tornado, the person I destroyed the most was myself, excessively self-critical. I dived into the ninth step. I just wanted to be a different person that wouldn't hurt other people or myself. And I couldn't do it on my own. I still can't. I really need God's help. I just want to add one other thing. I've never rested on my laurels. I wish I would. It would kind of be a little bit normal. But for me, whenever I'm really feeling good, I have such a fear of losing it that I actually redouble my efforts to enlarge my spiritual life. I mean, every single day of the program, I know, maybe because I reached such a bottom where I lost almost everything, that the only way I can maintain abstinence is to have a spiritual experience, to be open to God's power in my life. And I'm just grateful for that gift. I don't know why I have it, but for me, just God and abstinence are just two things together. They've never been apart. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you very much. Um, was that Judith or Sandy? I lost my place here. Um, is, is, who's up next? Is it Sandy or Donna? This is Donna G. I just I was waiting to see if Sandy was next. I'm not sure. All right. Okay. Go go ahead, Donna. Okay, this is Donna G. Um, I've been grateful um, to be recovered in Pennsylvania. Um, I haven't shared in a while. I had someone reach out to me yesterday um, from a vision saying, haven't heard you in a while, and, oh, I was so blown away by that. Um, just trying to just trying to take my rightful seat um, and, and sit back a little, but, um, yeah. It, just, it was good to hear from somebody, so thank you. But um, So what I hear in this, this is the tornado piece, is two things. Um, one is that I was actually in a tornado, 
um, when I was a teenager. With my, I was with my mother. We were in a, a store. And uh, in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, there are not a lot of tornadoes. It was a very rare occurrence uh, to have a tornado in this area. And, um, and when I was thinking about that this morning, um, talk about resentment. I, my mind during that traumatic event immediately went into resentment because um, I have several brothers and sisters, and they weren't with us, and my mother sort of immediately went to, are they safe? Where are they? Are they safe? And, and I felt neglected. Um, I, you know, it was traumatic, um, but I was alive, and she knew that, you know, and so God forbid she care about her other kids. Um, so that just came to me, which is very interesting. Um, but also, I ask God all the time to speak to me in dreams and metaphor and analogy, so I just, I was really moved by this today because um, I think of the Wizard of Oz, and I think of the tornado, and um, when I was a kid and I would watch it and I would see all the things get, getting blown around outside the window of the house, I would try, I wouldn't want to slow it down and see all that's getting blown, blown through the air. What is that? There's the witch, there's the this, there's the that. And, um, yeah, I think I'm just so grateful to my higher power, who I call God, because he has slowed that down for me um, within dreams and within um, metaphor and analogy and intuition and all kinds of um, thoughts that I get. Um, he has slowed it down, and just recently I had a dream that really, more than anything else, pointed out to me um, a lesson I needed to learn about my ego. And I'm so grateful that um, my higher power slows it down so I can see all the debris See, see the mess, see what the tornado has um, has swept up in it and, and what I need to um, just sort of unravel and figure out and, and uh, you know, make amends for. And um, it comes slowly. It doesn't come all at once like the tornadoes that I created, uh, you know, and, and if it all came at once, it would be too overwhelming. And I'm just so grateful for that. So I guess... I guess I encourage the newcomers, too, to, you know, to just be encouraged that you don't have to clean up the entire tornado all in one fell swoop, um, you know, and, and that uh, your higher power will reveal little by little, slow down the scene, and um, I'm just grateful for that. And lastly, I'll say, you know, I knew all along, I didn't know all along, but, it, you know, I, uh, I found out that all along, you know, there's no place like home, which is grounded it with my higher power and I never knew I had the power all along um, if I just connected I you know I looked for it everywhere else especially in the food and, you know it just it wasn't there so I just I love the reading today and thank you for letting me share and and um, but that'll pass thank you very much okay um, uh, thanks to everybody who shared today please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is uh, 13,968. Uh, and today's date is Tuesday, January 14th, uh, 2020. Um, we're now gonna close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Allison L. 
please read uh, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Allison? I sure will. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 